father is here today, so we kind of have generations, plus both of my brothers are here as well, except for Joe, who's in Taiwan. So Joe, if you're watching online, we miss you, um, and I'm really grateful to get to be with you guys on Father's Day. And I know that this is a day that we celebrate the impact that our fathers or our father figures have had, the fingerprints that they leave on our life, and that is, you can't downplay that. Just if you look at studies of how important fathers are, we cannot underestimate the impact and the influence that fathers have. Ethan, you've already had a bagel. Sit back down. (laughs) But I will also say that I recognize that today is one of those days that can be kind of a mixed bag of emotions, right? Because it's both, on one hand, it's celebratory. We want to celebrate fathers. But I was actually looking at a study that said, Mother's Day is the second most celebrated holiday anywhere, second only to Christmas. Father's Day is the 20th. There's a reason. Because when it comes to fathers, their importance can also accentuate the pain when there is either absence or hurtful things that they've done, and they're imperfect, and we're all imperfect. Beto said, I'm a good father. I'm a father in progress. I'm still learning how to do this whole parenting thing. And every time I think I've got it wired, my sons mature to a different level, and I have to figure it out all over again. And I will tell you that I am... I am recognizing so much of my own immaturity that comes out when I'm trying to deal with my son's immaturity. And so Father's Day is a mixed bag of emotions and we might carry in with us today both joy but also pain. It might be a day of sorrow because the man that we call father isn't with us anymore. Or perhaps it's our children who aren't with us either because they've moved away Or because they've gone on ahead of us to be with the Lord way too soon. For some of us, it's a reminder of things that were unsaid that we wish we could have said. Or things that were said that we wish we could take back. And so before we dive in this morning, before we open God's word, before we have a conversation about how God feels about us as our father, I want to simply come before the father and invite the Holy Spirit to search us and know us and begin to pull to the surface the things we've carried in with us this morning. Whether it's joy or pain, sorrow or gratitude. So would you bow your heads for just a moment? And I'm not going to speak during this time. I'm just going to give you a moment of silence to invite the Holy Spirit to bring to the surface what is it that you've carried in with you. And just admit it both to him and to yourself. Holy Spirit, we are grateful that you're here this morning. We're grateful that there there are much more than two gathered here, and so I know that you are present with us. And you know intimately what it is that we've carried in with us. (laughs) Things, memories that we're grateful for, or, or memories that are really, really painful that we wish we could forget. 
things we're so thankful we got to do or things that we wish hadn't happened, but did. And we thank you in all of this for the reminder that is as well or as imperfectly as our earthly fathers loved us, you are our heavenly father and you love us more than we could ever possibly fathom. And so that's what I want to focus on this morning. And I want to pray this blessing over my brothers and my sisters that are here or are listening on at home. I pray to you, Father, that out of your glorious unlimited resources, you would empower us with your inner strength through your spirit so that Christ can make his home in our hearts as we trust in him. May we be rooted securely in your love for us. And may we have the power to understand, as all God's people should, just how wide and how long and how high and how deep your love for us is. May we rest in that love. Pray these things, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Now, those words from that blessing I just prayed are not my own. Those were penned by Paul, written to believers living in the city of Ephesus, and it, it, was a, it was a group of people much like ourselves. They were pressed in, surrounded by people that didn't consider God to be somebody to worship. They worshipped a whole lot of other things. They worshipped material worth. They worshipped the God of sensuality. They worshipped accomplishment. And the society around these believers told them that if they were to be acceptable, they would have to perform, they would have to conform to the society around them. These were people who were being told that their value was derived by what they accomplished, the grades that they got, what people said about them. And into this, Paul simply reminds them, no, your identity has never, ever been rooted in that May the roots of your identity go deeply down into the firm soil and bedrock of your father's unwavering love for you. So let me ask you a question. Do you know, truly know that God loves you? Would you say that the roots of your identity are planted firmly in the soil of his love for you? I would like to say that I, I would like to say unequivocally, yes, but the reality is, for much of my life, it wasn't. And in fact, I was a pastor for five years before I recognized that I myself was not secure in the Father's love for me. And it happened in all, of all places at church when I realized it. It was during a service, and there was a young man that at the end of the service came up for prayer and he admitted that he was really struggling with insecurity in his life. And so as I was praying for him, I really sensed that the Holy Spirit was prompting me to pray the blessing that the Father spoke over Jesus at his baptism. You remember that moment? Where Jesus, as he's coming up out of the water and the Holy Spirit is descending on him like a dove to empower him for his earthly ministry. And we hear the words of the Father spoken over his son as a blessing. This is my son whom I love. And with him I'm well pleased. And I would point to that moment, by the way, as the inauguration of Jesus' public ministry. And it's a good thing that that started it off because what would come would be three years of pushing against the status quo, three years 
of upsetting the religious elite. Three years of people going, you're the man, we're excited. And then they get close and they realize, oh, he's not the kind of Messiah we thought he was going to be. And then they would turn and they would walk away from him. Oh, your teaching is kind of confusing, Jesus. You might want to change that up a little bit if you want to be more palatable to people. And then they would turn and they would walk away. And Jesus was never like, oh, wait, come back. Let me, it was a metaphor. Let me just kind of change it up a little bit. Let me say what you want to hear so you'll like me. Jesus was okay with people who had been vocal proponents of him walking away. And I would suggest that the reason he was so confident in the face of rejection can be pointed back to that moment at his baptism where he hears an unwavering declaration of support from his father. He never needed the approval of other people because he knew he had the approval of the one person whose opinion really truly mattered. So anyway... On that particular service, as I was praying over this young man, I felt prompted to pray that same blessing over him. And so I just said, I feel like your father wants you to know that he is your father and he loves you. And and then I had to stop because I could not in good conscience say that the father was pleased with this young man because I didn't know him. I didn't know what he had done. I didn't know, I did not feel in that moment the freedom to give that blessing, that full blessing over him. And so I kind of lamely wrapped up my prayer and the service ended and he went his own way and I was left with this glaring question in my own self of why could I not finish the blessing? And over the course of that day, as I just continued to chew on it, it began to dawn on me. The reason I couldn't give this young man the full blessing of the father is because I didn't feel like I had the full blessing myself. I knew that God loved me. But I didn't know if he was pleased with me. And this spurred me into months of, of... reading and journaling and seeking out mentors who were several steps further down the path of following Jesus than I was to learn from them, to lean on them, and to process what on earth it was. It's almost like one of my fig leaves had gotten peeled up a little bit, and rather than trying to paste it down with a lot of work, I just ripped it off, and I said, okay, what's underneath? Let's deal with this now. And what I found was that I was viewing my heavenly father through the lens of my earthly father. Now, let me pause for a moment because the man is in the room and because I want to acknowledge I have an incredible dad. Much of who I and my brothers are, can, you can point right back to him and the example that he set. He gave us incredible experience in life. One of his greatest goals for us was to give us the highest point of elevation from which to view the world And so he would take months of his life, months away from work, to take us on road trips. It's something that I cherish. And I never for a moment questioned whether my dad loved me because he showed me and my family through the ways that he served us. And yet, 
Even in the midst of a loving home where both my father and my mother sought to speak words of life into us, still I came away with this overwhelming sense that while my father loved me, he wasn't really pleased with me. He wasn't proud of me. You see, I'm a whole lot like my dad. And as a father myself, I began to realize that we tend to be hardest on our kids when they struggle in areas that we ourselves struggle with. My dad is impulsive and I'm impulsive. My dad accidentally breaks things. I accidentally break things. My dad unintentionally has set people on fire. (laughs) I've unintentionally set people on fire. It's a Wayman thing. If you go camping with us, just know, be prepared. (laughs) In these and so many ways, When my dad recognized something in me that was a hindrance to me being a mature, responsible man that others could entrust things to, like any good father does, he leaned in. He didn't turn a blind eye to it. I was the firstborn, so he was definitely intentional about training me up in the way I should go. And although I know that underneath his discipline and his parenting was love for me and a desire to see me flourish, I unintentionally interpreted that discipline as his displeasure. Every time he was correcting me, what I heard that say is, you disappointed me, son. And so as I look back on my my life, particularly junior high, high school, and even a little bit of college, I was driven by this need to prove my worth to my dad. Again, I wasn't questioning whether he loved me. I was just questioning whether or not he was proud of me. And so I sought to earn his pride. I tried to get really good grades, even though I could never quite swing straight A's. I tried to excel in sports, swimming, water polo. Much of it was, even though there were lots of people in the stands cheering, there was really one person in the stand whose opinion mattered most to me. I would read thousand-page biographies about dead people like Winston Churchill, because my dad read them. And I wanted to have something that he was interested in to talk about. And when it came to me choosing my major in college, I chose pre-law because my father was an attorney. And I wanted to follow him in the family business so that perhaps he'd be proud of me. Again, this isn't what he told me I needed to do. This is my interpretation and my attempts to earn his pleasure, whether or not he felt a way about me, it was how I interpreted how he felt about me. The shifting sands of my security was basically based upon my performance. And I always felt like no matter how hard I tried, I always came up a little bit short. And somehow along the way, I began to also approach my heavenly father in the way that I approached my earthly father. I began to view the the father that I could not see through the lens of the father that I could see. It's very easy to do because they both carry the name father. Many of us do that. My guess is, for some of us, if you had a rough relationship with your earthly dad, you're going to have a bit of a tough time viewing God as father. And since I was trying to earn my earthly father's approval, I tried to earn my heavenly father's approval too. I went to church, not because I wanted to, but because I had to. 
I tithed out of my meager income, not because I wanted to, but because it was expected of me. And during those years, I served not because I wanted to, but because it was a way to try to prove to him that I was valuable, that I was his son, worth his pleasure. Can you relate to this? Do you, because when I think about the way that we interact with our Heavenly Father, it is so easy to view them, view Him through the filter of our relationships with our parents, particularly our fathers. And my guess is that if you had a father who was overbearing, who is a strong disciplinarian, that when you begin to think of your heavenly father, every time you encounter difficulty in your life, you chalk that up to him punishing you for some infraction, some mistake that you've made. If your father was verbally abusive to you, then chances are you begin to view God through that lens and you think that he is disappointed and will talk down to you. And if your father was absent in your life, then chances are when you think about God, you view him as distant and disinterested. Now, I'm not suggesting that that is who he is or that is how he feels about you. What I'm saying is that you're viewing God through the lens of your earthly father. And when you think you hear his voice, when you feel like he's speaking to you, chances are his voice sounds a whole heck of a lot like your earthly father. Let me give you an example. I have a friend of mine whose dad was verbally abusive. He, he would call his son things like idiot and stupid. And those words found purchase in the, in the soil of his heart. And it didn't just affect his perspective of himself, but it affected his perspective of his heavenly father. And so I was processing with my friend one time about an issue, an area of sin that just kept coming up over and over again for him. And I asked him, what do you think God would want to say to you right now? And almost without a moment's hesitation, he said, I think God would say, stop being such an idiot and cut it out. And the way he said it was harsh. Dismissive. And I could not help but notice that it didn't sound much like the voice of our Heavenly Father. It sounded a whole heck of a lot like the voice of his earthly father. What I'm driving at today is that our relationships with our earthly fathers, for better or for worse, will influence the way that we view our Heavenly Father. We will begin to see Him through the corrupted filter of our imperfect relationship with our dads. And some of us in here have had fabulous parents, incredible, intentional parents. And yet, even along the way, we're all imperfect. As a, as a parent myself, I will be the first to say, I've made a whole lot of missteps and I've brought a whole lot of my humanity into my parenting and as much as I wish that wasn't the case, it is. And Ethan and Grayson, I'm sorry for the ways that I have misrepresented the heart of your father by the way I have interacted with you. He loves you more deeply and fully than I could ever possibly love you. And I would imagine that for some of us, when we begin to think about our Father in heaven, we cannot get past 
at the relationship we had with our earthly fathers. And so there's a reason why some people don't even want to call him father. Because for them, it's too painful. They'd rather think of him as mother or just spirit. Because that carries less baggage than the heavy title of father. And that's okay. We each have our own journey. And the reality is he's a big enough God to handle our pain. And he loves us. And the invitation is not that you have to call him a certain name. The invitation is to come to him just as you are with your pain and recognize that he's safe to bring it all. Not just your joy, but your pain. Not just your hopes, but your hurts. He's a good, good father who's far more patient than any earthly father ever could be who's far more loving than any earthly father could be. And I will tell you, I could not rest in my father's unwavering love. I couldn't even understand that type of love until 14 years ago when I held my son for the very first time. When I became a father myself. On that day, it was a scary day. My boy didn't breathe for six minutes after he was born. That was scary. He was, he was rushed. He, Kathy didn't even get that, that moment with him when he was born because they had to intubate him and they had to, they had to help him breathe. And then he was rushed into the NICU. And yet, I will tell you that from that moment, I have never loved anyone or anything as deeply as I've loved him. And when Grayson was born, also kind of crazy, he was born 11 weeks prematurely, also went through craziness, Those two boys have my heart in ways that nothing else on this planet does. I love them. Even back when all they could do is eat, sleep, and poop. They had my heart completely. And they didn't do anything to earn it. They didn't say nice things about me. They didn't want to play catch. They couldn't play. They couldn't even keep their head up. And yet they had my heart completely because they're my sons. And my sons are older now. 14 going on 15 and 11 going on 12. They have minds of their own. As I told Ethan earlier this week, he is so much like me, but he's not me. He's fully himself. He's a beautiful reflection of the heart of the father, but... Come on, I know. It almost, I, almost, I almost misspoke, but I didn't. I caught myself. But. <laughs> oh, no. I, yeah, awesome. That's rad. I did. You're right. <laughs> I, I absolutely love him. I, he is an imperfect, but he's a wonderful. Both of my boys are imperfect, but wonderful reflections of the, of, of the heart of our God. And I have the joy of getting to be their parents. And I will tell you that there are many moments where my boys don't do what I would want them to do. Don't treat another person the way I would want them to treat another person. Don't show up the way I would want them to show up. Don't respond in a way I would want them to respond. Ethan is so much my son that he unintentionally breaks things just like I do. And it's like, and and, and he's my firstborn. So I get on him just like my dad got on me. And I know that in some ways... 
I am passing on to him wounds that were passed on to me unintentionally. And I imagine that when I try to discipline my son, I'm making some of the same mistakes that my dad made. And that's okay. That's the reality of growing up in life. I'm learning just as much about parenting as he's learning about life. But I can tell you this, and I know that they're uncomfortable about me even singling them out, but I need to. Sons, I love you more than you could possibly know. And I am just getting to watch you grow into the men that God has created you to be brings me great joy. I'm proud of you. I'm so very, very proud of you. Now, if I, an imperfect, selfish man, can love my kids as unwaveringly as I do, imagine for a moment how your heavenly father feels about you. He loves you more deeply and fully than you could possibly fathom. Until you're a parent yourself, I don't think that you can ever fully grasp the love of a father. And I know that for some of you, particularly the young ones in here, this might be a foreign idea to you. Maybe you think that God is just standing up in heaven with his arms crossed, waiting for you to mess up. That's not the heart of your father. Maybe you think that you have to do good things to get his attention for just a moment so that he'll bless you. That's not the heart of your father. And his blessing doesn't come from good performance. You don't earn his love. You are loved, period. You don't have to do something to be loved. You are loved, so you get to live out of that. There is freedom when you can rest in what is already true of you. You are loved, period. If you don't believe me, all you need to do is look at the cross. The cross is God's love letter to you and to me because the cross reminds us that while you were still living in complete and utter rebellion, in fact, before you or I were ever born, God already knew that you would not perfectly reflect his heart. And rather than going, ah, what a disappointment, wash my hands of these dirty, rotten sinners and walk away, I'm going to go start over. Rather than giving up, or rather than treating you like you have to clean yourselves up in order to be able to come into his holy presence, the holy creator and sustainer of the world, recognizing that his image bearers couldn't clean themselves up, did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He took off his divine power and entered into this world as a child himself. And he lived life experiencing pain, sickness, disappointment, sorrow. He watched his dad die when he was young. He had, there's a reason why we don't hear about Joseph after those early years of Jesus' birth and the first couple of years. He, he probably lost his dad pretty young. He had to work through that pain. And then Jesus, the perfect reflection of our heavenly father, went to the cross and declared once and for all 
that God loves us this much. So much that he was willing to die for us. That's how much he loves you. So do not question what is already true of you. You are loved. And getting to watch you grow into the men and women that he's created you to be brings him great joy. And so this morning, I want to close with the same blessing that I read over us at the beginning. The same blessing that Paul wrote to believers living in Ephesus. Would you bow your heads? And I want to read this blessing over us. I pray to our Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. So may you be rooted and rooted securely in God's love for you. I'm going to say that again. May you be rooted securely in God's love for you. May the, may the roots of your identity go down deep into the firm bedrock of God's unwavering, unearned love. And may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, just how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. I pray that you would experience the love of Christ, though it's too great for us to fully understand. But then, if we can just rest in his love, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from the Father. Father, we thank you that no matter what our earthly fathers may have done, no matter how they may have represented you imperfectly, you love us perfectly. You love us completely. You love us just as we are, but you love us enough not to leave us where we are at. May we be conduits of that love to those that we come into contact with. May we rest in what is true of us. May we live out of it. Pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am.
loved by you. That is who we are, is we're loved because of who he is, not because of what we've done. He's a good father. That is, that is the bedrock that I hope that you walk out of here knowing is under you. Not the shifting sands of what you do, but the firm foundation of what he's already done for us to show us just how deeply and completely he loves us. But now I have a word for the fathers in this room. Whether you are a father yourself or you're a father figure, because I recognize there's many of us who are called to come alongside others whose fathers don't have the slightest clue how to be a father. So I'm speaking to you right now. You are not God. And thank goodness we're not. And yet your voice carries a weight that cannot be underestimated. I will tell you that there are many people who have given me affirmations throughout my life, but none carry nearly the weight that my father's words carry in my life, for better or for worse. And I will tell you that when I heard him say, Eric, I love you and I'm proud of you, I still hold on to those words when life goes sideways. I still cherish those words in my heart. Fathers, your kids may not live with you any longer, but so long as there is breath in your lungs, there is time for you to speak words of life into your children's life. Do not let this day go by without reaching out to them. And I understand that there might be messy circumstances. There might be a lot of time in between the last time you talked to them. And maybe that last conversation didn't end so well. May you model for your children humility to move towards them and speak words of life, to tell them how much you love them and that you're proud of them. Knowing that no matter what you've done, your Father in Heaven loves you perfectly and He's proud of you. Have a wonderful Father's Day.